everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today, and we welcome you and uh, hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today as we worship God together and, to, and we fellowship with one another and fellowship with our Lord. And so we're glad that you are here today. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. Uh, you are very important to us, and we hope that you feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, we want to welcome a, a special guest today. Madison Warren is here, and uh, he will be uh, ministering to us with song a little later on in the worship service. So we are so glad that you're here with us, Madison, and we look forward to your, uh, your song a little later on. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, call to your attention a few things that I uh, need to call your attention to. And First of all is the uh, attendance sheet. I'd like to ask if you would, uh, this, this is a sheet of paper on each clipboard, we'd like to ask if you would take that and fill it out, put your name and address and whatever information you feel comfortable giving, and uh, so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We would appreciate it if you could do that. Uh, also, if you are a part of the uh, mission and ministry team, we are going to be having a meeting this afternoon at 2.30, and uh, I know that's not our regular time to have a meeting, but uh, because of some other things going on, we, we feel like we need to go ahead and have that, so uh, that'll be 2.30 this afternoon, and on Wednesday, we are uh, continuing our study on clases. We started a, a study a couple of weeks ago on clases. Now, you may think, well, what in the world is that? Well, that comes from a Greek word, kaleo, which means to call. And we're talking about God's call on our life, uh, our, our call to follow Christ and our call to, to understand who we are in that relationship and our call to be ministers of Christ, which is a call that I believe uh, is, is extended to every Christian. Uh, so come on Wednesday night. It's at 6.30 immediately after our Wednesday uh, evening meal and uh, enjoy that time together. Boy, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Amen. Isn't it a wonderful day? You know, I just think it's a good day for a picnic. Good <laughs> Don't you think it's a good day for a picnic? It's a great day for a picnic. You know, some, somebody when we were planning this, somebody said, well, what, what's going to happen if it rains? I said, I'll take care of the weather. You bring, you bring the chicken and I'll take care of the weather. And, and it's a beautiful day, so I've done my part. Um, but, but we're going to be having our picnic today beginning about 3.30 right out here in, our, um, in the pavilion area and out to the side. We're going to have some games going on and, um, and inflatables so, so the kids can come and, and jump and run off some energy and uh, cornhole and washers and uh, horseshoes and all sorts of stuff. So this will be a lot of fun. We always have a great time when we get together with, with fellowship like this. So everybody come. It's also a good time to invite some friends to come and, uh, and to introduce them to your friends here at church and to, uh, to share that time. So look forward to seeing you today. Uh, we'll, we'll start the games and stuff around 3.30 and eat at 5, around 5. Eat around 5 o'clock. We'll be having some hamburgers and hot dogs. And if you'd like to bring a side dish, some uh, veggies or desserts or homemade ice cream or uh, chocolate cake or... Pecan pie, or uh, don't get me started. I'm, I'm, I better stop here. Uh, just, just come on, and we'll just have a great time together. One of the things we like to do here at Community Baptist Church is to extend the love of Christ to one another. Uh, we think it's important to do that. It's important for us to greet each other. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to greet each other as if we were greeting the Lord. 
So let me invite you to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Extend the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome one another.
flat, I attend Sunday school. The reason I send Sunday school is it's a habit. A habit that's been developed uh, for quite a few years. Uh, my mother has taken me to Sunday school before I could remember. But I remember referring to Pam last week was talking about your Sunday school teachers. I remember a Sunday school teacher before I was in the first grade, which was in about 29 or 30. When I, in that first class, I remember that my teacher taught me who Jesus was. She taught me a verse of scripture to read, Jesus wept. So when I went to school, I knew that cat. One reason that I attend Sunday school is the Lord has blessed me this past week with 168 hours. I feel like one hour on Sunday morning is at least that I can do to come to learn and study about him. I attend Sunday school for the reason that he said that forsake not the assembly of yourself together. He also said that when two or three are together together, I will be with them. I want to be there. In Sunday school, we learn to study about the Bible, we learn scriptures, and I study my lesson several times before Sunday. But when I come on Sunday, a lot of times, the teacher has a different slate, and I think, I was kind of dumb on that. <laughs> so that's a, that's a part of it. And then to be with the people in Sunday school, the people that are friends of mine, Christian friends, I think that we uh, have a, a good hour, an hour that's well spent. It's an hour where we have prayer, we don't only have prayer for when people are sick. We have prayer when people are, are expecting a new grandkid or in our department, it's no, no babies, it's all grandkids. <laughs> so we have prayer for them. And one of the uh, things that we uh, pray for, and I remember, is for the sick people, etc. When I had cancer, and you, you think when you hear someone say that they have been diagnosed with cancer, you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're really sorry. But when they put your name on it, it tells a different slant to it. You really, you really know what it is then. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I lived a pretty low time in my life. And I received a card from the Sunday school class where they'd had prayer for me. And I realized then, I looked at each one of those names and I realized then how thankful I should be that I had a Sunday school to attend. I have been blessed in my life of having good Sunday school teachers. I had one Sunday school teacher that was well over 30 years. He knew more about living than any person that I've ever known in my life. 
and I learned more about living from him than I did anybody in my life. Rev was a person that put his faith and what he taught to practice. And I'm thankful that I have a Sunday school teacher now that puts her faith to practice. Amen. By faith through grace is what we are. Thank you. Come on down, children. It's time for Miss Mary. Jerry, come on. Oh, here we go. Every time I get up here, I don't have anybody. Okay, I'll just have to say it to everybody then. That's okay. That's okay. Actually, I'm just going to stand here because Kelsey's going to help me back there if that's okay. And then everybody has to help. Let's see what Dr. Tim's going to talk about today. Seems like forever since we've been here. Blessed when facing problems. Says, God hears my sighs. Well, yeah, I sigh a lot. Sigh a lot. Ugh. I'm sure God hears that. And then it says, um, God shines light in my darkness. And I'm sure we've all had that moment of darkness. I think my worst moment was when my daddy died. That was a uh, pretty dark moment, but God helped me through that. And then it says, God heals my broken heart. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, that's when John and I lost our first baby. I had a broken heart. But look what we did. We had Kelsey and then we had Jake. God helped me through that. Yeah. God gives me strength. Oh, anytime financial problems, job problems, God's always there to get us through it. But anyway... I guess I'll tell the story to you because you're the only kid up here and you're too big for this story. But anyway, here's a little story I'm going to share with you. A favorite song of my children, of many children, is This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. So you all have to help me. Just the first verse. Put your finger up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. story says that song was inspired by this text from the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. Every person who accepts Jesus as a Savior has a light which can shine for God. Once there lived in a village far away a family admired by everyone. The grandfather was mayor of the town. He was very important. The father was manager of the biggest factory and also an important man. Although the grandson was only eight years old, he was well liked by everyone. Yes, this was a good family, but they did not go to church. They had never thought much about God. They did not believe in Jesus as Savior. And one day, the grandfather, the father, and the grandson were relaxing in their front yard when an eight-year-old friend of the grandson walked over. He told them about how important Jesus was to him in his life. The more he talked, the more excited his listeners became. The grandfather believed in Jesus. The father agreed that he too would believe in Jesus, and then the grandson also believed. They became Christians with lights to shine for God. And Kelsey has three candles here. 
Jerry, I really could use your help up here. It's kind of a guessing game. That's okay. He doesn't want to come up this. Okay, Kaylee, come on, babe. Thank you very much. This will help kind of demonstrate what we're talking about here. Because we all can be lights. You know that. We all can be lights to shine for Jesus. Why don't you come up here and stand right beside me. And thank you very much for coming up here. All right, Kelsey's going to hold up three candles. All right, now you know in this story we had the grandfather, we had the father, and then we had the grandson, right? Okay, look at these three candles. Which one do you think the father is? Which one would represent the father? So we have the older grandfather, we have the father, and then we have the young grandson. Which one do you think the father is? I think you're probably right. The red candle, because he's right in the middle, right? Okay, which one do you think would represent the grandfather? Do you? Well, let me share a little secret with you. You're young enough now that you could be the big candle. Because remember that grandfather went all through his life and he didn't know Jesus. But think about the grandson. He's only eight years old, okay? And now with the help of his friend, he knows who Jesus is. Do you think he has a longer time to shed his light and help others know about Jesus than the grandfather? Unfortunately, that's the way it works. So we're going to make this. I'm going to give this to you because you have a longer time to let your light shine and tell other folks about Jesus. Does that make sense? Thank you so much for coming up to help me. Have a good week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kelsey.
Now it's my turn. Scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let us pray. Lord, we bow down before you today to praise you. Lord, you are our strength and guidance, and we thank you for that. You are the comfort to us when we mourn as you surround us with your love. Father, we love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As Brother Tim said earlier, we have a special guest today. We have Madison Warren with us to do a couple specials for us. Warren has a CD for sale, too. And after church, his father George will be over at the table here. The proceeds from his CD goes to uh, Cosair and St. Jude Hospitals. And they're $10, and they're recordings of some of his songs. So, Madison, come on, we welcome you now. Oh, yes. 
fish from the wild shall be lived by a child and I be changed changed from this creature that I Yes, there will be peace in the valley for me someday. Yes, there will be peace in the valley for me. Oh, Lord, I pray, but there'll be no sadness. No sorrow, oh my Lord, and no trouble. But trouble I see, but there will be peace in the valley for me, for me. Restart that, I'm thinking. Hey, Mark, let's restart that, please. Thank you. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on. Let me stay. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone Hear my cry Hear my call Hold my hand Lest I fall Take my hand Precious Lord, lead me home. 
Giving God, you give us more than we can possibly, possibly count, much less repay. So take what we can give, our time, the gifts of our talents, and the money out of our wallets, and multiply them as you did the fish and the loaves so that we can continue your work. We pray this in Jesus' sweet name. Amen.
Well, we have certainly been blessed with some good music today, haven't we? Thank you so much, everyone who has shared in music today. Today we're going to talk about being blessed by God even in the midst of problems. Um, we're in the second week of our series on the Beatitudes, unlocking the blessings of God, and we're studying some of Christ's most powerful teachings found in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're looking at the first eight statements in the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. Last week we talked about putting God first in our lives as we delved into the Beatitude, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you'll remember, I challenged you to make four commitments to put God first in your life. Those commitments are to give God a part of every day so that you're spending some time in prayer and Bible study, to give God the first part of our week, and that's what you're doing here today by being here in worship, and I hope you'll continue with that commitment uh, each week during this series. And uh, the third is um, we will give God the first part of our finances. And remember, I, I challenged you uh, last week to make an over and above commitment to the land acquisition fund every week during this series. Uh, some of you can give $100 a week or more if you can do that. And I want to challenge you to do that. Or if you can give $50 or $20 or $10 a week, I challenge you to do that. And then the fourth thing we are giving God first place in our relationships by how we relate to, to other Christians and also by reaching out to our friends and inviting them to church. Well, today we're going to look at Matthew 5, verse 4, which is the second beatitude. And each one of these statements begin with two words, God blesses or blessed are, depending on which translation you use. And I truly believe that it's God's desire that every single one of us lives a blessed and a happy life. And so the reason Jesus gives us these Beatitudes is that they are the key to living a happy life. In fact, some people even translate this as happy are the poor in spirit, happy are those who mourn, happy are the meek. So last week we looked at how God blesses those who who realize their need for God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But today we're looking at the second beatitude, which says, let, let's read it together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now the reality is that at some time in our life, all of us are going to mourn. And when we think about the word mourn, we usually think of it in terms of losing a loved one and mourning their death. And, and that is certainly accurate. But I think that this beatitude is wider than that. I think it applies to any problem that we may be having in our lives. And, and the reality is that, that problems are going to come our way, aren't they? They are inevitable. Anybody here never had a problem? I didn't think so. Problems are inevitable, and they come in all kinds of, of shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're small problems, they're just the little everyday things that annoy you, and, and sometimes they're huge problems. But the point is that if there's anything in this world that I can guarantee you today, it is this. You are going to face troubles and problems in your life. And that doesn't end when you become a Christian. You're going to have problems every day for the rest of your life. 
Good things are going to always happen to bad people. And bad things are always going to continue to happen to good people. That's just the way life is. And why is that? Well, a big part of that is that God gives each of us a free will. We all have a free will. In fact, I would say that the vast majority of the suffering and the problems in this world are caused because of the free will that we have to make choices. And a lot of the times we use that free will to make bad choices that are harmful to other people or to ourselves. Now, there are natural disasters, of course, and other things in this world that are beyond our control. But the vast majority of problems that that we see in this world are caused because we make choices that hurt us and hurt other people. For example, if someone gets behind the wheel of a car while intoxicated and hits another vehicle or a pedestrian, that person freely chose to to get behind that wheel. And the ensuing pain and the the mourning and the problems that result from that bad choice, uh, it it, it came because of that, that, that choice that that person made. God gives us free will. And that's both the most wonderful and the most dangerous gift that God's ever given to us because it gives us the possibility of real love, which we can choose to demonstrate to other people, but it also opens the door to undeserved suffering and pain and problems. So today I want us to to look at what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount about how God can help us face the problems that come our way. Because God, God's promise to us is that when we face the problems of life, we will be comforted. That's what that beatitude says. When we face those problems, we will be comforted. So today I'm, I want to look at four ways that God brings comfort to us when we're facing problems. And here's the first one. God hears my sighs. God hears my sighs. Have you ever noticed that mothers have a keen sense of hearing when it comes to their children? You ever notice that? I, I, I've been in homes where a small baby has been put to bed and, and we're sitting around having a nice conversation with the parents when suddenly mom jumps up and says, I just heard the baby. The baby's awake. And I'm going, I didn't hear anything. But that's the way it is. That's, that's the way it is. Most mothers have this, this sense where they're in tune with their child and they can hear and sense their children even when other people can't. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That is even truer when it comes to God and God's children. For you see, God hears every sigh that we make. Every sigh comes from deep down within our gut. And and God is aware of every problem that we have. Let's look at another verse from Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is discarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. 
Right here we have three things that God does for you when you face problems in your life. God sees, God hears, and God understands. And that's the first thing that we need to know when we are in the midst of of the problems. We need to be heard. We need to know that someone else knows and someone else cares. And that's not just from the Bible that says that. That's modern psychology that says that as well. As human beings, we need other people to hear us and to understand us. Well, folks, I want to I be very clear to you today about this. God hears you and understands you. God is omniscient. God knows everything there is. And there is nothing beyond God's scope. God is omnipresent. God is present with you all the time in all places And you are never, ever, ever alone. So God is there every time you take a deep sigh and and you wonder what you're going to do next. And because of that, God's first provision for you in the midst of your problem is prayer. Prayer. And some of you may say, well, you know, I'm not much of a prayer. Well, let me tell you something. Praying is, is not... You know, it's not as complicated as people make it out to be. Prayer, simply put, is communicating with God. And you don't, it doesn't have to be a formal declaration. And you don't have to speak in King James English in order to get God's ear. God, God understands everyday language. God understands every language in the world. Prayer is not complicated. There's no formula that you have to learn. It's simply communicating with God in a real and personal way as if you were talking with a friend sitting next to you. It's opening your heart and sharing with God what's on your mind. And then in turn, as you would do with that friend sitting next to you, being willing to, willing to listen. Now God's probably not going to speak to you in a verbal way out loud voice if he does let me know so because um well never mind (laughs) but god does speak to us in our conscience and god speaks to us in that still small voice god speaks to our inner hearts if we're listening later in the sermon on the mount jesus says that in our prayer life we should ask and you shall receive Seek and you shall find. Knock, the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. You want to know how to pray? There it is. And the tense in in the Greek here is a continuing tense. So it really means that you should keep on doing these things. Keep on asking. Keep on looking. Keep on knocking. When you're facing problems and and you pray and and others pray for you, you are bringing God into the equation. And you know, even, even before you pray, this is what's so great about this. Even before you pray, God's already there. God already sees and God already hears and God already understands. But it's when we ask that God gives. And it's when we knock that God answers and when we seek that God shows us the way. Because when we pray, we are opening up that line of communication between us and God. And and we acknowledge that 
that we need God. For you see, communication is a two-way street. And, and God may be very aware of what's going on in our lives. God is aware of what's going on in our lives. But we aren't talking to God about it until we pray. God's always there, but prayer opens up that line of communication and allows us to experience God's power and God's presence and God's comfort in our situation. And it allows us to begin listening to what God has to say to us. In fact, the Bible says that when we belong to God and we've begun following Jesus, that God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. And during those times when we have problems, we don't even know, we don't even know what to say. We don't even know how to express it. The Bible says to us that God hears and understands our sighs and our moans. So you see, God understands where we are and, and what we are feeling, even when we can't put words to it. Even when, when we can't express it verbally. That's how much God loves us and understands us. We don't even have to have the right words. But God hears our sighs. God understands the deep, painful feelings that we can't even put, it, put into words. And so if I have one word for you today, this is it. Pray. That's God's number one provision for our problem. But the second way that God comforts us in the midst of our problem is this. God shines light into our darkness. God shines light into our darkness. God brings truth into an area of our life that, that may be confusing. Look at this verse from Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That's great. One pastor told a story about when he was uh, in the ninth grade. He went on a, a youth group uh, outing. He and um, a group of five seventh through ninth graders were on a canoe trip with one other adult there. And they were in the Bankhead Wilderness in Alabama. And they were uh, on a four-day, three-night canoe trip down the Sipsi River. And the plan was for, for them to canoe down the river for four days but the, uh, the bad thing that happened is that it started raining on the very first day, and it didn't stop. Well, on this particular night, they had uh, pitched their tents about 25 yards above the river. And since it had been raining so much, all of their equipment was soaking wet. And so they, that night, they, all six of them piled into one tent, and they were trying to sleep. And at one point, one of the young boys uh, got up, and he stepped outside, and he, and he sort of screamed, Ah! And so the rest of them heard it and went outside and see what was going on. And, and this river that had been 25 yards below them was now running right beside their tent. It was a flash flood. And the river was about to overtake them. Their canoes were already gone. And everything that they had was washed down the river. They only had two flashlights left. The others had gone down the river. And, and the path that they knew to get out of there was on the other side of the river. So they were in for, in, in, in for a, a hard time here. So what they did is they got in a line and they all held hands. They put one flashlight at the front and one flashlight at the back. And they began to hike. 
to hike for about two and a half hours. And during that time, the flashlight in the back gave out. So they only, they only had one flashlight left. And, and by the time they made it to the road, they were very relieved that they had made it out of there alive. They were trapped in a canyon at night during a flash flood and scared. They didn't see a viable way out of that situation. And if there had not been a flashlight at the front of that line, they would never have been able to see anything, much less find their way out. Well, folks, that's the way it is when we face problems in our lives. Most of the time, we can maybe handle one big problem or several small problems at a time. But sometimes it doesn't happen like that, does it? Sometimes we get problems surrounding us from all directions and, and we have financial problems and school problems and relationship problems and family problems and job problems and career problems. And I mean, we have all kinds of problems and they all seem to happen at once. And they surround us and we, we don't see a way out. And when this happens, everything gets kind of dark and we get kind of depressed we get a little scared. And that's when God brings light into our darkness through God's promises. And suddenly we're able to see a little hope. God promises like a flashlight in the dark to bring hope, to bring perspective and to bring truth into our situation. And why is that? Because God loves us. Even in the midst of our difficulties. Maybe even especially in the midst of our difficulties. Paul tells us, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the power of Hades can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Wow. What a word of comfort for a troubled soul. So God shines the light into my dark situation. And the third way that God provides comfort for us when we mourn is that God heals my heart. You know, I think if you think about the the issues that we face. So many of our problems today are heart issues. And maybe you've used that language before. Maybe you've said something like, my heart was broken. Or my heart was crushed. Or I'm heavy hearted. You ever said anything like that? Well, God promises that God will provide healing for our heart. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 147. It says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God numbers the stars and gives them all a name. My friends, God numbers all of your problems and provides healing for each and every one of them. You see, when, when you have a problem of the heart, you, you don't really need an explanation as to why that problem came. Instead, what you need is encouragement and comfort. And here's one of God's greatest provisions for your heart problem. 
I'm going to tell you a secret here. One of God's greatest provisions for your heart problem. Are you ready for it? You want to know what it is? Here it is. It's God's people. It's God's people. Because you see, sometimes what you need more than anything else in the world is just for somebody to come up alongside of you. Somebody to put a hand on your shoulder. Somebody to carry you to Jesus in prayer. And somebody to... Sometimes you just need a listening ear and a caring spirit. You see, God uses other people in God's kingdom to assist God in bringing healing to the problems of your heart. Someone someone once said that friends are God's way of taking care of us. I like that. And here's one of my favorite quotes. It's, a friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the words. And someone else has said, a friend is one who strengthens you with prayers and blesses you with love and encourages you with hope. Jerry and I are a part of a peer learning group of ministers that meet every month for study and fellowship and encouragement. As a matter of fact, we're meeting tomorrow. A great group of men and women, um, good friends. But the wife of one of our members is dying of liver cancer. It has been an ongoing problem for a long time. And of course, each month we inquire as to her condition, how are things going, what are, what's going on. And, and a few months ago, he gave a, a bad report, and, and, and it was obvious that he was emotionally distraught and over the condition of his wife. And so this group of friends formed a circle around Joe. And we laid our hands on him and we prayed. Joe was in desperate need of our prayers. Joe was in desperate need of our encouragement. And I'm so pleased that we were able to be a part of of his ongoing comfort. But that's the way God works. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that... God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. So I want to encourage you to be aware of the people around you and ask yourself, who am I running into this week that I need to comfort? Listen to their stories. Maybe you need to send an encouraging email or make a telephone call or give someone a hug. Maybe you sense that tension in their face or their voice and and you just want to let them know that, that you're praying for them. When you're doing that, you're working in conjunction with God to bring comfort in a time of need. Then finally, God gives me strength. You know, the reality is that, that problems drain us from of our strength, doesn't it? I know, just personally speaking, when, when I've had a hard day and when things are going bad for me and the burdens of, wor- of the world are weighing heavily on my shoulders, you know what? I don't want to do anything. I just don't want to do anything. I, 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 we use words like I, I, I ran out of gas or I, the wind was knocked out of me or I'm out of steam. And, and God says that when you run out of gas and, and problems are, are about to run you over, that's when we need to, to look to God for our strength. 
In Isaiah 40, it has one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. It says, God gives power to those who are tired and worn out. Isn't that interesting? And then he offers strength for the weak. Isaiah says, even the young will become exhausted and young men and women will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. And they will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see that? God gives us strength to make it through the problems that are pushing us down. And how does God do that? Well, he does it through God's presence. God's provision for us when we need strength is to be there for us. God comes alongside us and lifts us up. God strengthens us because God is there with us. Through the ages, God's presence has, had, has meant many things. In the Old Testament, you had the, the, uh, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, you had the, the cloud of uh, the, the pillar of fire during the day and the pillar of smoke, a uh, pillar of fire at night and the pillar of smoke during the day. Um, and that was like God saying, don't give up. I'm here with you. Look to my presence. During Jesus' time here on earth, Jesus was God in the flesh. And when he walked into a room, strength was provided and healing and calmness and comfort. But Jesus isn't here anymore, is he? Not in the flesh. And so God does this through God's Holy Spirit. God gives us strength in his presence through the Holy Spirit. In John 15, he says, once I leave, I will send you the comforter. It's an interesting choice of words. The Holy Spirit, the source of all truth. He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me, he says. So you see, God never leaves us alone. Whether it's a pillar of fire in the Old Testament or the person of Jesus in the New Testament or the, the Holy Spirit with us. God's presence is always there. And when we acknowledge that presence, we receive strength when we are weak. So if you've ever felt like you're alone, and you're going through problems alone, you're not. God's Holy Spirit is there. And if you will reach out to God and lean on God, God has promised that he will provide you the strength that you will need to make it through. My friends, problems are guaranteed. But God promises that those who lean on God will, and who give God first place will be able to call on God in prayer. And they will receive God's promises. They will experience healing through other people. They will learn to lean on God's presence and call on God's Holy Spirit in a difficult journey of life. So here's the question I have for you tonight, today. Would you lean on the strength of Jesus this morning? Maybe you're having a hard time dealing with the problems in your life. Well, let me tell you something. God's with you. And guess what? So are we. So are we. And that's not to say that problems will not come. They will. The point is that when the inevitable problems of life 
come our way. They do not have to be overwhelming. And we do not have to face them alone. For you see, with the presence of God and good friends, we can face anything with strength and with confidence. And so if you have not accepted this source of great strength today, I hope that you will turn to Christ and say, I need you, Lord. I need you every hour of my life. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 64. God will take care of you. And that's a great song. What a wonderful message that falls right on the heels of everything I've been saying today. God will take care of you and God will take care of you. That's God's promise to you. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And maybe you've been trying to deal with the difficulties of life all by yourself. You don't have to. I hope that you'll say today, if you've never done this, that, Lord, I need you. I need you every hour of my life. I need you. If you've never made that commitment, I hope you'll do it today. Or maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church. Or maybe you've just been feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and you need to share it with somebody and you need a little time of prayer. You know what? Come on down. Praying's a good thing. And praying for each other is a good thing too. We invite you to respond in any way that God is leading you to respond as we sing 64. God will take care of you. Would you come?
Please be seated for just one moment. Um, if you have not met Rocky Garrison, you need to because this is a this is a great young man, a great man, and uh, and he is coming. Uh, he's been with our church for what about a almost a year now. He's been kind of coming uh, coming around for about a year. So yeah, about about this time last year when we were having our picnic, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. I remember that. Um, but uh, he, he has come, he's been a part of our, our services and our, our church here for, for quite a while. And today he wants to come and make it official and unite with our church officially uh, by becoming a member of Community Baptist Church. And we, we are grateful for that. And I want to encourage you to uh, welcome Rocky into our fellowship and joining me in doing that by raising your hand and saying amen. amen. Rocky, you, you've been here, you know the spiel, don't you? You probably can say it. And, and here it is. I'm not going to put you on the spot and make it okay, say it. He, he looked at me a little worried there. <laughs> I'm not going to put. But here's here it is, and it, and it, it's not a spiel. It's the truth. Every member of this church is a minister, and that's what we've been talking about on Wednesday night. And that means that you are a minister. And so, in the days ahead, we look forward to the ministry we have to you, to you, but also the ministry that you have for us, because you have gifts that you can offer in service of God through this church. And so we look forward to that. We um, encourage you to come by and speak to, to Rocky after the worship service and extend to him the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome him into our fellowship here today. Let's stand for our benediction. Out of the depths we cry, Where are you, O God? And sometimes we get to the point in our lives where our pain overtakes us. Our fear crowds out our hope. Our tears flow from a place that's too deep for words. And we are numbed by our anxiety and paralyzed by our confusion. And we even wrestle with what we believe. But we will be comforted, O God, because we know that you are with us. Grant to us this mercy and ease us into healing. And may we go from this place in the strength and in the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.